0: I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven financial services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone. Jamie Bateman here. i um, really excited about this episode. I just recorded with Matt Four. he's a friend of mine. We've gotten to know each other better over the last couple of years and, um, Matt uh, is a part time real estate investor, more of a passive real estate investor. He does well at his full time job in sales. um, And he has his own podcast and is really starting to build a brand, um, but certainly uh, lives with an abundance mindset and has a growth mindset and is doing very well financially. Um, But he's been through a lot of adversity as well. And, um, you know, we touch on his background, we talk about his sister. And um, the death of his sister and their relationship and things that he took from situation. And, um, and then we talk about his condition of uh, dyslexia. And then uh, we get into something that happened with a commission check or more accurately didn't happen. Um, some adversity he faced uh, with that where he was expecting a significant amount of money uh, from his previous employer. Years ago, and um, didn't happen. So, how do you navigate all that? I mean, and rebound, and um, put yourself in the position that you're in now, where he is now, I should say. Um, and that—that's what we talk about. He—he he drops a ton of truth bombs, a lot of mindset-based stuff. I mean, he's uh, an Ironman athlete and just a a, a go-getter. And I appreciate him uh, spending the time with with me, and I appreciate you spending the time to listen. And I hope you get uh, as much value out of it as I did. Matt's an awesome guy. And um, I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Thanks.
1: Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable and former counterintelligence investigator jamie bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test restore your faith in humanity as you experience true cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance
0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm excited today to speak with a friend of mine, Matt Four of Ice Cream with Investors, his podcast. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today? I am fantastic and so happy and excited to be here. Awesome. So, Matt, for our listeners, um, you know... The two listeners who are unfamiliar with you. Everybody else knows who you are. Um, but if you
2: could give us a little bit of context as far as who you are today and, and what you're up to. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start with saying that I'm a leader at a Fortune 50 company today and sales organization. Um, and that's really fun. I get the chance to lead 10 people and interact with a uh, organization of about 50 and co-lead some of those folks. Um, But on the side, I'm also an Ironman uh, triathlete. So for you listeners that might be unaware of that, that's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run. Yes, it's all in a single event, all in a single day. And then also, if that wasn't enough, I also invest in real estate um, and host the podcast Ice Cream with Investors. Awesome. So the closest I've
0: gotten to an Ironman is watching my sister do an Ironman distance triathlon, which we've talked about. Um, We drove there. I went out to lunch, watched a movie, went out to dinner, and then uh she was still still doing the event. So I've basically done the same thing, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's uh I wanted to have you on the show. I mean, because you know, we've chatted a bunch of times and you were on the good deeds show with Chris and me. And um I know you've been through some adversity, uh just like we all have, um, and all of our stories are different. Um and we're going to get into that, but I know you've kind of rebounded in a lot of ways and gotten to an abundance mindset and you're always growing and looking at opportunities for growth and you love real estate and investing and small business and podcasts and we have a lot in common. So I'm excited to get into it. So for the the
2: listeners out there, can you get into your your background a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. So I'll give you the short and sweet and you take me wherever you want me to go. Um, but I grew up in a really, really small town in southern West Virginia, uh, not West Virginia, southern Western Virginia. Um, and it's a town of about 10,000 people. I mean, it was a good place to live as people would know it if i uh, that's the town's slogan. Um, but also it was really tough. I mean, it is a town that has been blasted over by globalization. There was a, a big coal mining community in that area. And as we have Continue to find different alternative sources of energy. It has definitely just been uh, left behind in globalization. So I was very fortunate to grow up in that environment and uh, with two parents that absolutely loved me. But it also showed me what the other side of life is like. Um, beyond that, I grew up dyslexic and I am a twin. Uh, and my twin brother was Victorian. He was Victorian of his law school at University of Michigan. He's been a part of a couple of Supreme Court cases at this point in his career. So when you grow up dyslexic and that's who your twin brother is, it also put like a little bit of context over um, uh, uh, how unfortunate I felt being dyslexic. Um, but also I had a sister that was mentally disabled as well. Um, so I'm sure we'll get into this part of the story. She tragically passed three and a half years ago now at this point. Um but I was very fortunate to have a, a family that loved me and um kind of moved over to Knoxville and went to the University of Tennessee after that and then started at my w two job in Nashville, Tennessee back in two thousand and nine The rest they say is uh is history <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I knew some of that that's that's interesting about I didn't know that about your brother
0: um What's? Can you give me his contact information? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. He he is smarter and better looking than me. My mother loves me more, so it kind (laughs) of doesn't. There we go. Um, So you mentioned your sister, and 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 you know it's always touchy on this on this show. I don't want to you know drill into uh, topics that are too difficult. But you did bring up that that topic on our previous show uh, on the Good Deeds Show, and. Um, I know that was obviously you know a situation that was not easy for you. Um, Could you talk about your relationship with your sister and and how that how that went?
2: Yeah, sure. So my sister was uh, eight years older than me, um, so she was always a constant in my life, growing up. um, she was always in the house. Um, and I always knew Whitney was different, but I, I don't really remember the specific, well, I don't remember how old I was. I remember the specific moment where I I finally figured it out that Whitney was different than others. And it was due to um, a, a slight temper tantrum she threw in Toys R Us. Um, but my sister was um, a very memorable part of my life. And I think when you grow up with somebody that is mentally disabled and who has difficulty with the normal cognitive tasks that you take for granted every day in your life, it puts things in perspective that maybe I should be grateful for the fact that I can wash my own hair, um, tie my own shoes. I can make the decision to be out in the car and drive myself to go get coffee or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know where you kind of want to take it from there, but it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I
0: mean, um, you know, and so she was eight years older than you. And then you said uh, she passed away three years ago. I mean, what did what did yep. you learn from your relationship
2: with her? Yeah, I I, re- I remember, um, I learned that no matter how big your difficulties are, you, there's always a counter advantage to your difficulties. So I'll say that Whitney had the best memory of all time. And I remember taking her to go get Starbucks one time and to get her favorite coffee, which was a grande decaf with three uh, equal packets. And uh, the GPS in my system had me going straight through the light. She's like, we need to turn left. We need to turn left. Hmm. And I was like, no, Whitney, the GPS says mm-hmm. we need to go straight. But since we were at a red light, I pulled it up and she was absolutely right. We need to go left. So, mm-hmm. even given my profession in technology sales, it always taught me that uh, humans can be smarter than technology. There uh, you go, especially if you have a dumb human like myself that can't work technology. <laughs> um, but more importantly, that people matter more than things. Whitney didn't get excited about the um, glamorous, purses or things like that she got excited when you got excited when you got excited to see her when you accomplished something when she hadn't seen you for the first time in a long time and I think that's just some of the lessons that I've I've taken from her along the way that's
0: that's really good I mean I uh did an interview today that should be out you know I'm guessing a week before this one but um with uh Fuquan Bilal and he that was one of the themes we, we, that came out of that episode as well, is that people, you know, he's had ups and downs and financial success and, you know, material success. But at the end of the day, it's people and relationships that, that really matter. Um, so that's, that's really
2: good. Um, I, you know, you, Go ahead. I, I don't know if it's just because I grew up in a small town, but I mean, I like material things. More importantly than anything, sure. I like really good food. <laughs> really good bourbon like i mean a good bourbon nice. and steak is just a nice thing to enjoy um but i've never really been driven by materialistic things it's always been about for me helping someone get to where they want to go or achieving your own goal that you thought at the outset of that goal was impossible that's um really driven me so um to his point the people and mm-hmm. the things people matter more than things definitely what's your favorite bourbon um so oh dude give me, give give me, a, a, good, good give me a good bourbon. Just, I mean, um, well, you can give me one as well. I'll give you my address, but <laughs> tell me so, a few good bourbons, put it that way. I, um, so part of my sales territory is Kentucky. So I will tell everybody right nice. now that I am bourbon illiterate. If you are in that part of the country, okay. probably very bourbon smart if you're not. <laughs> yeah. um, and we went to do a bourbon tasting okay. uh, with Where'd a customer go? over the weekend. Oh. It's a oh. small place in Newport, Kentucky called okay. Newberry's Coffee Company. They're only open on Friday and Saturday nights from six to nine, and they have 6,000 different bottles of bourbon in the place. I mean, and it's the largest bourbon bar in North America. And so through that, we got to taste some very, very rare Pappy, Pappy 23, Heaven Hill 27, some of the top end bourbons. But if you had to ask my like staple go-to, Angel's Envy Rye, if I can find it, it's probably my favorite. Okay, nice. Awesome. That's a high rye bourbon or that's a rye?
0: It's a rye. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. Just making sure. We did the Kentucky bourbon uh, trail uh, a few years nice. ago for my sister's birthday. That was really fun. Um, and I've learned a little, little bit over the the last uh, five or six years myself, but nice. it's, it's we'll getting expensive. Offline. It's getting expensive, though. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Why? You don't want to take the whole time to talk about bourbon? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, we could, but uh, my my knowledge is limited. I might be out of set talking points in the next two to three minutes. Got it. Um
0: So, you know, we talked about your sister, and that's, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can't totally relate to that. It's um, just what you must have gone through over the years, and then with her passing, and it sounds like you're, you're living your, your best life to honor her and, and, um, you know, live with those takeaways of people being more important than than things. Um, What are some other examples of adversity that you've dealt with?
2: Yeah, there's two that as we were chatting before this that I kind of wrote down that we can chat through is um, one, I grew up dyslexic and um, really dyslexic, I feel like is a catch all term for you've got an eight year old that doesn't really like, um, doesn't really like schooling. Uh, But as I started to scale, I I really feel like that was um, a challenge for me because I remember when I was in 11th grade, I was reading at a sixth grade level. And so um, not in this screenshot right here, but in, few, in screenshots that people have seen me on YouTube, you can see I have stacks of books out there. And the reason why is because every time I read a book, I never throw it away. Mm-hmm. Growing up yeah. dyslexic was um, a very big obstacle for me when I was growing up. But my mom used to always tell me about all these famous people that were dyslexic, specifically mm-hmm. Henry Ford. Um, <laughs> And wow. so I just use that as you can take that as an obstacle and be pushed down because of it, or you can take that and use it for your advantage. And how I kind of had used it for my advantage is I became decently good with technology, I kind of understand technology better than probably most, and really just trying to interact with people, I was always outgoing, I was always um, the athletic kid growing up and things like that. And while I still am not great with people all the time, I'm like, do have a limited patience, but use that for your advantage. So, mm-hmm. um, there's that, and then we can talk about the commission ch- check story if you want to as well. Yeah. But so, those are the on two the, ones that came to mind.
0: So, how do you use the dys dyslexic thing to your advantage? You um, just can you drill down on that a little bit more?
2: Yeah, I think it's because when I was a kid, I. Wasn't I didn't really care about books and magazines and things like that. I used that time more to be outside and athletic and engage with other kids. Got it. And so because of that, I always felt like I had a more outgoing personality than most. Um, and I got really good—not today, but really good—at like public speaking. And so I've used those skills. It's funny how when you when you do something as a kid and you kind of find interest in it and. Mm-hmm. You never know where that's going to take you, how you end up using that skill when you're a future. Um, so public yeah. speaking, I was a bunch of part of a bunch of theater, a bunch of um, uh, public debate and teams like that growing yeah. up. And that's essentially what I do today is I go around and publicly speak uh, mm-hmm. for sales motivation teams and things like that, but also to customers and and on a podcast. So
0: yeah, I was going to say your podcast. Yeah, I feel like the word dyslexic gets thrown around like it's, you know, you know, a lot of people say they they have that condition. but Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. So um, yeah, I can't, I get, that's definitely a real challenge, but it sounds like you just basically didn't just to simplify it. I mean, it's at at the risk of glossing over real adversity, but it, um, it sounds like you just didn't focus on that as a, you focused on your other strengths and, you know, catered your activity toward those strengths that you had um, and developed those. And now you're in sales and
2: run your own podcast. Yeah, I, I like to think of strengths and weaknesses in a couple of different buckets. Um, strengths are the things that you're naturally good at. Weaknesses come into two different buckets. They're the weaknesses in, in, that you're naturally bad at, and it doesn't make sense for you to ever spend time getting better at it. And then there's weaknesses where you're naturally bad at, but if you spend some time evolving, you can become decent sure. at it or at least serviceable. So for me, for instance, I'm not a drawer. I'm 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 colorblind. I'm a terrible hey, at me art. too. I'm colorblind. Yeah, there you go. So I'm terrible at art. I was never going to be an artist and things like yeah. that. Even if I spent countless hours going down that path of trying to be good at that, I would yeah. have ended up like Rudy, I would have had one play, where <laughs> right. I did something great, but then ultimately had this skill set that wouldn't have serviced me for what my career ended up being. Um, yeah. Where reading, I feel like, is something where I, I'm still a very slow reader. I mean, it takes me a very long time to get through a book or a PDF or something like that. And that's maybe why I listen to a ton of podcasts and videos mm-hmm. versus uh, reading. Um, and there's some advantages and disadvantages there. But it it made sense for me at the age of 21, 22 is when I really started becoming a reader to mm-hmm. get good at that skill. Because that is something that helps me mentally process, critical think, and everything is done in in written form. So if you don't sure. know how to read or can't quickly analyze analyze something based off of yeah. written form, then it yeah you're gonna be stuck behind. That's really interesting. I actually have I don't think I've heard that
0: before as far as because I do actually run into that myself as far as um you know Tim Ferris and the four hour work week it's like don't and I, I don't actually think I read the book to to be fair <laughs> to Tim um when he listens to this. Sorry Tim. But you know it's like do you um I think that the general theme is that you shouldn't focus, you shouldn't focus on getting better, you know, just focus on your strengths and only focus on what you enjoy doing, what you're good at. But I've always struggled with that because, you know, why not uh, improve on some of your weaknesses? That's, that's really interesting um, that you, you divide the weaknesses into two different buckets and decide which ones you're going to focus on as far as improving and which ones you're going to,
2: Hey, just let go. It's okay. <laughs> yep, yep. There's there's things that you need to outsource and there's things you at least need to understand at a high level or have some kind of competency in if it's a weakness.
0: Now, to the other one that you, uh, you mentioned on our Good Deeds show, I think early on in that episode, um, your commission check. Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, so I, um, I want to clarify before I tell the story that this is not the company I work for today. So quick, quick disclaimer, if you find me on LinkedIn, this is not the company I work for today. But I worked at a uh, previous technology company where we were a part of a huge net new acquisition account. Um, and it was a $10 million deal. And I did some quick math because being dyslexic, I'm a little bit better with numbers than I am with uh, with words. I did the math and my eyes started lighting up on the commission check I was about to receive. And how I got into investing was, I was like, man, that's life-changing money. I can't have that sitting in a checking account somewhere um, because if I do, then I'll just end up spending it. So I went down the path of figuring out like what investments I could do in. I looked at whole life insurance policies. I looked at mm-hmm. um, annuities. I looked at stocks and I ultimately landed on real estate. But then I got that faithful call the week of Christmas from my VP that said, you weren't gonna get this commission check. Instead, I was going to get paid two cents on the dollar. And I've never publicly said the number, but it is a life-changing amount of money. Mm-hmm. And so I, I asked at the time, I was like, well, wait a minute, ha- what happened here? And they said, Matt, how much money have you made this year? And I told him, and he said, well, isn't that enough? And it was at that point that I realized if I wanted to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve, if I wanted to give back abundantly to the causes that I care about, If I wanted to go pursue the activities that give me passion in life and things like that, then I was going to have to find a supplementary income that would at least offset um, this ever, this kind of incident ever happened to me again.
0: That is, yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, Matt shared with me the number, so I'll put it in the show notes. No, I'm I'm (laughs) kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. But that is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's so, and how long were you expecting that? Like, was it six months that you were looking forward to that commission check? Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. At least six months because we get paid on shipping and all that kind of stuff. So we had booked the deal. It had to ship. And then I knew it was going to go through some kind of exception policy because every big corporation says basically at any time they can change how much you get paid, change your quota, change your territories, all that kind of stuff. So I knew there was going to be an exception process on that. I just didn't expect the two cents on the dollar commission. That is insane. And
0: the fact that your, your boss, right. Said that to you. Um, That I mean, that just that's not I mean, it's just clearly saying we don't care about you as a as a human. Um, so you're not saying they did anything illegal per se, but uh probably I'll put words in your mouth, probably unethical, immoral, definitely not <laughs> uh it's not model behavior, in my opinion. That that's my yeah. my opinion. Yeah.
2: And look, we were chatting before where I grew up, even the amount of money that I was paid and commission, um. Was disappointing, but it was still a good deal of money. And I'm I'm not upset with them. They made a decision that I was that money was worth more than my contribution, and I think that's okay. That's that was their mm-hmm. business decision. At the end of the day, I drained them for resources, networks, people, skill sets. I took a bunch of trainings on their dime um, afterwards and things like that. So I think pain, when viewed in the right light, can be a motivator, and you should look at the things that you can. Um, balance out in the situation. And maybe that's the theme of this, this podcast is when you have some kind of a uh, issue that happens to you, look at some other form that you can at least salvage it and get some goodness out of it.
0: Yeah, so the reason you you were getting into looking at uh, alternative investments like real estate was you were going to get a good chunk of change, we'll say. Um, But that didn't happen. So then did you immediately say, well, I don't need to Do anything in
2: real estate, or how did you move forward mentally and with action? Yeah, uh, that train was far past after uh, I decided to get the news. So I was already looking at properties. I had done a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of reading and and figuring out what I wanted to do. So I actually four months after that instance made my first down payment on a real estate property, Um, and the down payment on that was it was a two hundred and ten thousand dollar home, so it was forty two thousand dollars. I think I only put twenty, not twenty five percent down. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember during that time, a lot of folks saying, like, why aren't you worried? Aren't you worried about 2008? Aren't you worried Mm -hmm. about losing it all? What if the tenant calls you in the middle of the night? All that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I've joked about in the past, $42,000 is about the cost of an MBA at a public school these days. Mm -hmm. So I figured, hey, if I lost all that money, which I don't think you'll ever, real estate will never go to zero, Um, So I didn't think I was going to lose all of that money. But Mm -hmm. I think uh, when I thought about it in that lens, it's like, okay, well, I will learn a lot more about how to buy a property, how to evaluate a property, how to run a property, how to manage it, all the different things that go into it. And that is at least as good worthy as a, as an MBA. Sure. So then as you were, so that was four months after
0: the, the uh, non, basically non-existent commission check. Um, How were you viewing that? that non-existent commission check at that
2: point and going forward. Yeah. I still, uh, I'm still, I'm still a little upset to say mm-hmm. that I'm not bitter about it would be a lie. I wish I was a big enough person that said, I i forgive and forgot. Right. But I'm, sure. I'm not, I definitely thought about how many multiple properties I could have bought with that same commission check. In fact, mm-hmm. um, what was, upsetting about the situation as different people on the deal got paid different amounts. So while mm. I got paid two cents on the dollar, somebody got fully paid, mm. and another person got 50 mm. cents on the dollar kind of thing. And I know that that person ended up going out there and buying two different apartment complexes with that mm. money. So um, well, wow. I, I definitely thought about that in the past. But hey, ultimately, one of the books I remember reading when I was a kid in seventh grade was a how to invest in the stock market book. And I remember Finishing the book, it was like the only book I ever read in middle school. Might have been the only book I read until I got to college, kind of thing. And I found that very interesting. So it was very—it's kind of interesting to look back at your life and say, "Hey, this interest that I had as a kid, investing, now that I'm an adult and can go do some of this stuff, how it scratches an itch, and how I'm actually more interested in that." So Mm -hmm. um, I view it as a positive that it led me down this rabbit hole that I'm currently on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, that's awesome. And then how did and then how did your real estate investing progress? If you could give us the you know the
2: the uh, short version to where you got where you are today, that would be great. Yeah, I'm not sure when this will air, but today I'm invested in 550 units across the southeast, um, and part of your real estate note fund, and part of a couple of different fix and flip funds as well. So I lend out private capital to uh, folks that want to go out there and fix and flip, and then hypothecation of a note. So, Mm -hmm. um. What I found interesting about the real estate space is when I first got into it, I thought it was buy and hold a property or buy, a, buy it and then fix it up and flip it. I had no idea that it was so much more than that. And I mean, we are talking about a multi-trillion dollar industry in the United States alone. And there's so many different facets of getting involved in it. that I think that's what I love about it. It's not a cookie cutter approach. You can be as creative as you want to be. And there's so many sub niches within the niche itself.
0: Yeah. And I, and I love that you can do, you know, someone like you, you're not a full-time real estate investor. You do well at your, your W-2 job and you, you enjoy that job. And, um, but you're able to do it passively or at least as a side, you know, side hustle kind of thing. Um, I, that's, I say that almost every podcast episode that I'm on is that I just love that it's not a one size fits all uh, there. You can fit real estate investing, note investing, or even just small business in general, you can fit it into your lifestyle. And it can, you know, there's so many ways to approach it. Um, and what you're doing right now is, it's going to look drastically different in 10 years, you know, I mean, I, for both of us. So I love that part of it as well.
2: 100%. And one of the things to your point about investing passively and things like that is, I think once you figure out the money problem in your life, you can start living intentionally. And what I mean by that is by the age of 31, I was quote unquote, financially free, which just as a simple definition meant that I could pay for my bills and eat ramen noodles and never take a vacation for the rest of my life. (laughs) That's not personally the life I choose to live. But certainly at the age of 31, solving the money problem helped me be more intentionally with the things that I wanted to do. For instance, started taking money out of my paycheck to make sure that the organization that took care of my sister was receiving some of my benefits that I got throughout my life from having her in it. For instance, being more intentional, like having podcasts and getting to have interesting conversations with interesting people and grow my network, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm -hmm. But also, I think it's like showing up intentionally for your spouse, your kids and at work. I mean, I think all of us have been put in a situation where we felt a little compromised at, at a work situation. How do you react when that in that situation when you know, you have to have that to have the money coming in to survive versus how would you react to that knowing that if the de- decision you made left you without a job, you would at least be financially safe to have a roof of your head and food on the table. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell the story all the time in 2020, in March of 2020, when my equity portfolio was down 45%. And I was watching folks that I had known for years get laid off, both inside and outside of organizations that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I wasn't nervous. But at the end of the day, I was able to sleep at night because I knew that my home, I had enough money coming in for my investments to have a home over my head and and food on the table. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's great. About how much time do you spend per week on your investment stuff?
2: Not your podcast, but your, your investments? Less than an hour. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is not a ton at all. That's awesome. The hardest part is doing the books.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm staring at folders of books right now that I, uh, my bookkeeping. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's not my favorite thing. Um, but if you're making money, it can be a little more exciting at least. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Well, as we start to wrap up here, are there any other uh, instances of adversity you wanted to talk about?
2: Um, we could go into a ones. whole, whole bunch of them around Iron Man, And, um, we were joking before the podcast and let me just phrase that, I think everybody's adversity is different, yeah, right? For sure. Um, to, to, to some of your guests on the show, I haven't had any adversity, and I'll be the first person to say that. I mean, the fact that I was born in America meant that I had the odds stacked in my favor. Um, so I just want to phrase that. Yeah. But I, because of that, I got really interested in Iron Man's because I wanted to find a way to proactively find my limits and test right. myself and to push myself out there. And I like to tell people when I tell them Ironman, they're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. How long have you been doing that? What's your time? All that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, look, the, the longer I do this and the faster I get, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> you just get faster. And I mean, I've been on several rides of hundred miles where I feel like I am in tip top shape and the best shape of my life. And then you get towards the end of that ride and you're like, man, this stinks and I've got nothing left in the gas. I would yeah. encourage everyone out there to find little parts of their life that they can disrupt to make themselves mentally sharp and agile for those situations. And Mm -hmm. if you don't know one, I'll give you one right now. Try brushing your teeth with your left hand or your (laughs) non-dominant hand. Try switching the mouse over your non-dominant hand. Try standing (laughs) on one foot and brushing your teeth. Like Those little actions seem small and in the grand scheme of the adversity of the guests that you have on your show are small, but they're situations and things that you can do that will better set yourself up to be resilient in those times of adversity when you have them.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the truth is like with with the show, this is, I think my fifth episode. And what I'm finding is in, whether intentionally or not, I'm looking around kind of measuring people's adversity and then measuring their abundance. You know, how much hardship has Matt Ford gone through? Does he meet the threshold of being on my podcast? And is he in a, living in an abundant life enough to, to be on my podcast? You know, and it, but it's at the end of the day, it's like, like you said, we we all, we all go through adversity. And that's the, that's kind of the point of the show is everyone is, is guaranteed to go through hardship and everyone's story is going to be different. So yes, we will compare it's human nature and, you know, it's, we all have relative thinking, we think in a relative way, but there's, but just because you, you know, haven't been shot five times like Fuquan Bilal that doesn't mean you haven't been through hardship. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, um yeah, I mean that's I I love the I don't love that you had to go through hardship, but I love how you've reacted to it and handled it and you you do have a growth mindset every time we interact. It's always like a positive and um, you know, inspiring interaction for me. Um so I appreciate that. Um I'm just going to fire off a few quick questions for you and, and we'll see what uh see where it goes and then we'll wrap it up sounds good um if you could have coffee now this is like your ice cream question i think if you could have coffee with any historical figure who would you choose
2: um i'm going to give you three uh okay martin luther king jr nelson mandela and um dick winners from band of brothers oh nice
0: okay awesome um I always wanted to make the joke when I listen to your show and you say dead or alive, I want to say, uh, I'll choose alive." Um,
2: <laughs> I don't think just, a, a dead person would be great. to with. <laughs> you know who I didn't <laughs> mention? Let me throw a fourth in there. And since my last name for yeah. I get I get this yeah, opportunity to do that. Uh, not historical, still alive. Dave Chappelle. Oh, I think nice. Dave, Chappelle yeah. is, Dave Chappelle is wicked, wicked smart. the way he tells stories, the way he uh, sets up a joke, like I'm just a student of comedy. I love how people communicate their art form. And I think he's he's the best in the business by far. Yeah, my my wife and I enjoy his uh, Netflix, you know, whenever he has a show on there. And a man who had everything and out of principle said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then came back on his own terms to still be at the top. Like, that's (laughs) incredible. It's awesome. All right. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? um, make sure my parents are taken care of. I think they are at this age in their life, but, uh, you never know what could happen. Uh, and then I'm boring. I would probably invest it and then continue to work and do the things that I do. Um, <laughs> I would make sure that I invested it. So where my uh, basic needs were taken care of, but I would still work. All right. Then I'm not going to give you 10 million, um,
0: up that to a hundred million. Now we're talking, <laughs> you have a different story. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's a book you would recommend? For my audience, you already mentioned one, but any others uh, that come to
2: mind? I, I have a ton, but I'll recommend the one that's always sitting at my desk. It's the last lecture by Randy Posh. And if you don't know the story, I'm going to just give a high level summary. Mm-hmm. When you're in academia and you retire, you give the last lecture. You give the things that you learned. You tell funny stories and remember that time Jamie went to the women's bathroom instead of the men's because he was so drunk. Like just stuff like that, right? <laughs> um, Randy Posh is giving his last lecture. And he is 35 years old. And the reason why he's giving is because he has pancreatic cancer, and he's going to die in eight months. And he starts out that story. And then he goes through and he's like, and you shouldn't be sad for me, because everything I wanted to do in my life, I got a chance to achieve, I got Mm -hmm. to go into space, I got to uh, be a, an imagineer in Disney, I got to have a family, all these different things. And it's just got these really random nuggets along the way of like talking about things, not people, not things of his son spilling a cup of ice cream in his brand new car that had leather seats and convertible and all this kind of stuff. And he's he looked up and he saw his son with like just this scared look on his face like he knew he did something wrong. He knew he did something wrong and daddy was going to get mad. So all he did was turn his ice cream up and throw it on the seat as well to show him that it's okay. It's okay that we have nice things but it's okay like you matter mm-hmm. your relationships matters more to me. So I would carb, en- highly yeah. encourage the last lecture and if you're not a reader, go watch the YouTube video of him actually giving the last lecture because oh, it'll wow. make you laugh, make you cry, and leave you inspired. Well, knowing you, I think you'd be more worried about
0: the ice cream than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's good, though. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Um, what is one question I you I have not asked
2: that you wish I had? Um, I really like Tim Ferriss's, if you could put anything on a billboard, what would you put? Or the best piece of advice people received, because I don't know, I just always find it interesting what people say when they have that question. What would you put on a billboard? (laughs) I knew you were going to say that, so I (laughs) almost stopped myself (laughs) mid-sentence saying, maybe I shouldn't do this. Or
0: best piece of advice, pick one. Or any, Um, It doesn't have to be the best, but just another piece of advice. You've already given a ton.
2: Yeah, you know I can't just give one, so I'm going to give two. One is empathy will be the skill that separates you in the future. And what I mean by that is when we all become technologically advanced, AI-driven world, machines are running us more than we're running machines, which I'm an optimistic. I don't think that's a scary thing. I think there's plenty of examples why. Um, Mm -hmm. Empathy will separate you from a skill set, from a career, from a personal standpoint. So I encourage everyone to sit there and think, not what is this person saying, but why are they saying it? What's Mm -hmm. in their history to make them be where they are and saying the thing? And the second thing is the best piece of advice I've ever received in my career, which is meet people where they are. And Mm -hmm. I think what that means is physically, emotionally, intelligently, whatever it is, if somebody Mm -hmm. is at a different place than you are when you're trying to communicate with them, don't shout at them. Don't tell them they're wrong. Try to meet them where they are and then bring them wherever you're trying to bring them.
0: So I guess, Emily, yes, I am listening to both of these pieces of advice. (laughs) I know how to spell empathy. So that's, yeah. that's a start. Um, oh, that's better
2: than me. Cause I'd have to <laughs> like, click
0: it or throw it. In Google. <laughs> oh, gosh, no, that's good. Those go hand in hand. I think very well. So, all right, sir, Matt, this has
2: been great. Um, it, where can our listeners reach out to you? Um, so you can go check me out at ice cream with investors. I'm on all your favorite podcast apps, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I am Matt Four, based in Nashville, Tennessee. You'll see my ugly mug up there. Um, and then also check out the website. We're still building it out right now, but ice cream com. That's a really
0: I look, there aren't that many podcasts that I listen to. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but you know, I skip episodes. I'm I'm human, right? But I do listen to yours regularly. So there must be something about it that, that draws me in. I I really, it's, it's lighthearted, but there's a ton of really good information. Um, And you have a lot of different types of different angles of investing and um, the human element is definitely there as well. So uh, I really enjoy it and I encourage our listeners to check it out. So thanks for thanks for coming on, Matt. I appreciate uh, you joining us and spending your time with us today. Absolutely. Uh, We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. For the listeners out there, please go out and give us a rating and review. And we appreciate you spending your most valuable asset with us, your time. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.
0: Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, This book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.